BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere, this is for you. Let the celebration begin. We've got some Eagles news, Rube. The Eagles signed two new players. They're not done yet. This is Eagle Eye Podcast with Ruben Frank. I'm Dave Zangaro. What do you make of these two guys, Rube? Well, uh, they're interesting guys who kind of, you know, are going to have some role that is yet to be defined, uh, but they both come in at positions where the Eagles just don't have a lot of bodies. They just don't have a lot of numbers. Uh, we've talked a lot about the you know, the, the roster just doesn't have a lot of linebackers and safety. So Jatavis Brown is a guy, a uh, fifth-year player. He's, he's played four years with the Chargers and uh, started a bunch of games, started 23 games, didn't play as much last year. Uh, Gus Bradley, the uh, Chargers defensive coordinator, went to more of a nickel the second half of the year. He didn't play much at all. But he's played a lot of football. He instantly becomes – uh, the, the Eagles' most experienced linebacker. I mean, he's a 5'11", 230 uh, guy, so he's an inside backer. Uh, but, you know, when you, the only guys they really have are T.J. Edwards and, Matt, uh, uh, you know, Nathan Gary and Alex Singleton. I mean, they, they just don't have bodies. They don't have guys who have played. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, he's, you know, he's kind of a, a fringe, fringe starter. Um, he's... You know, he had a good rookie year. He had three and a half sacks. He's, uh, you know, he's he's not considered a great tackler, which is not a great attribute for an inside linebacker. But uh, he's a body, and right now, without knowing what they're going to do in the draft, and they don't know what they're going to get in the draft, it at least, you know, fills a uh, a, a need and gives them a a body at linebacker. So it's more than they had. Um, and the same thing with the with the safety they brought in. He's a guy who's. Uh, started a few games, uh, you know, that, that safety position, other than Rodney, you know, there's, we just don't know. I mean, they have Marcus Epps, who's been a special teamer and they have, uh, oh, and Duke Riley, the other linebacker who started some games for the Falcons. I, I didn't mention, but, um, you know, both these positions are positions where there's just a lot of movement, a lot of turnover. And, you know, they brought in guys who, uh, didn't cost much. We don't know the, the numbers yet, but they're not big contract, big number guys. And, uh, you know, I think it remains to be seen what the role is going to be um, in, until, you know, whenever whenever they get around to practicing and we see where they line up. But at least they both fill positions where, where they have a, a great need just for bodies. Yeah, I mean, they are kind of similar in that they're they're kind of, you know, Jatavis Brown and Will Parks. Both have played a bunch of special teams in their career. They're they're kind of versatile athletic types who haven't really been starters, but I, I think there's potential with both of them. What are the chances either work out? Honestly, probably not great when you're talking about like maybe getting a, a long-term starter out of either one, but you never know. And at their prices, it, it makes sense to at least find out. Um, if you look at Brown first, I mean, he, he's, yeah, you're right. He's small. He's like 235. 
Um, but he's fast and, and, and he can cover sideline to sideline. Uh, you know, back in 2016, I already ran a four, four, four at a, at a, at a pro day. So, I mean, he has speed and he's what they're looking for a linebacker. And we've talked about the change of the linebacker position over the years. And that, that's what they want. They want quick linebackers who can kind of drop in the coverage and he can at least do that a little bit. And he has some recovery speed. So we'll see. Uh, I don't think they know how the linebacker situation is really going to turn out because uh, pretty much everyone they have at that position is pretty unproven. And then Will Parks is someone who's a Philly native. It's kind of cool for him. He's a Germantown high kid, so he gets a chance to come back. Uh, They were interested in him early on in this process. Uh, We heard that pretty early, and the Eagles were one of a few teams that were really involved in trying to get Will Parks. And I kind of wondered if all their movement in the secondary would keep them away from him because they they brought back Rodney, they brought back Jalen Mills, then they traded for Darius Slay. Um, but no, I, I, from what I've heard, they were kind of in on Will Parks the entire time. Even if Jalen Mills is a starting strong safety, they still use their three safety package quite a bit. So I would imagine Will Parks will have that role. And then he'll play special teams, and then they'll kind of see where they go from there. He also has played the nickel plenty but i'd imagine he's not gonna do that here just because the eagles have avante maddox they have craven leblanc but they like versatile defensive backs and that seems to be what will parks is yeah he played uh, almost a thousand special teams uh, reps the last uh four years or his four years with the with the broncos and um you know the uh, brown played uh, over 600 special team snaps so they're both guys who if they make the team, if they're here, which, uh, you know, I would think they have a pretty good chance to be on the roster. They they would be key special teams guys, um, you know, de- depending on what their role is and how much they're playing on defense. One one interesting thing that I'm sure you won't appreciate about Will Parks, he's one of only eight players in NFL history with exactly one interception in each of his first four years. Silence from Dave. I, don't, I mean, that's great. It's consistent. <laughs> uh, another former Eagle safety is also among that group of nine uh, very elite players, and that's Blaine Bishop. So, oh God, don't mention his <laughs> name. I know, I know. I, I don't want to put him in that class, but um, yeah. And you know, you, and you again, you look at the who's on the roster, and I'm sure Howie's just like, all right, I got to get some bodies in here, you know, and. And then we can sort it out. And if they don't work out, you're not going to have, you know, a huge amount of dead money. But they're guys who could fill a role anywhere from special teamer and emergency backup to spot starter and situational sub package guy. So, you know, I think they're both similar. I think um, uh, I think Will Parks has started 15 games. I believe Brown started 23. Uh, they both came in in uh, in 16. They were both later round guys. Um, you know, so they're, they're both young, you know, Parks is 25, Brown's 26. So well, they're, they're, they're middle to bottom of the roster guys, but, um, you know, those, those, those guys can be important. No, no doubt about it. And they're young enough that if, if one of them does work out this year, the Eagles could then sign them to a long-term deal. And I think that's important too. They've, you, you look back the last few years and they've signed some other players, to one-year contracts, but they were older players. And even if they worked out, there wasn't really a chance that they'd be here long-term. Both of these guys 
are young enough that if they work out this year, then you can sign them to a long-term deal and keep them around after they already know the system. And I think that's important. If you had to guess between Jadavis this and Will Parks, who plays more defensive snaps this year? Yeah, I knew you were going to ask me that. Um, I think it's a great question. I was thinking about it, actually, uh, because I knew you were going to ask me it, so I was kind of pondering that. And I think I think um, probably – I would say Brown – uh, just because, you know, they, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what TJ Edwards is. I mean, they're both kind of inside backers. Um, they, I don't know. And, and I don't know what Jalen Mills is as a safety. So, you know, you could really say the same thing about either, either one could play, you know, a handful of snaps per game or, or have a significant role in defense. We really don't know. Um, I would guess Brown, but it wouldn't shock me if I was wrong. You have, you have a, uh, a sense of that? Yeah, my guess would be Brown. I, but I, I think it's kind of boom or bust too. Because if you if you ask me right now, which one I think has a better chance of making the roster, I think it's Will Parks. Interesting. Uh, based on, on the the level of interest I know they had in him all off season, but I, if they get if Rodney plays free safety and Jalen Mills plays strong safety, there just aren't a lot of snaps left. Uh, unless one of them gets hurt, which is possible, but I can't really account for that when I'm predicting. So, yeah, I'd probably go with Brown. Uh, but I guess that kind of leads us to the linebacker situation as a whole. We're we're a long way away from them playing football games, but how do you think this shakes out, if you had to guess right now, who, who starts where? Well, I, I would think uh, Brown would have the edge at – you know, at inside backer, um, and and Nate Gary, you know, I think is going to be a starter. Um, beyond that, you know, they seem to like Duke Riley. Um, he has played a lot, mainly with the Falcons uh, when he was in Atlanta. Um, you know, he did start a bunch of games. I think he started 16 games down there. So, um, you know, it's they don't play a whole lot of three linebacker there i mean they're even in base they're they're not usually playing a lot of three linebacker um so if it came down to snaps i think gary's going to play the most snaps i would guess at this point with what they have i would say um i I keep wanting to call him zach brown i really got to make sure i don't do that um i'd say he'd be second and you know tj edwards third uh we don't really know what they have in tj edwards and um, you know, and certainly Duke Riley could be in that mix. Um, but, uh, it, yeah, it's really a puzzle and, and I don't even know how to begin solving it. Cause you know, we don't know, we don't know what these, what their roles are going to be. We don't even know what they exactly are looking for from these guys. So it's, uh, I, I do think Nate Gary is kind of the, the one known quantity only because we, we know he's capable. We know he's not a great player, but he's smart. Um, he, you know, he gives great effort and you don't question that with him. Um, but you know, all these guys really are question marks. Every one of them has, has a big question mark next to their name. I mean, when you look at, um, at Brown, uh, he played as few as snaps in the NFL last year. So, um, something was going on there. Uh, he only played uh, his last 10 games. He only played more than four snaps twice. So he wasn't playing much. Obviously they were going to bring him back. Uh, so it's really a big question mark around all those linebackers. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I, if I had to guess, I think, excuse me, I think TJ Edwards will be the the Mike in the base. 
and I think the other two are probably better suited for their nickel package just because they're a little more athletic. Um, and, and I think you're right. I mean, at, at least they kind of know what they have in Nate Gary. He, he's not a great player. I'm not even sure if he's a good player, but um, they seem to like him. And unless they bring in somebody else, which is possible, but I just don't think it would be a high enough caliber player to kind of take away snaps from Nate Gary. So whether you like him or not, I think he's probably going to play a lot this year. What's the earliest they could draft a linebacker? And don't say seventh round. Um, third round. Third round, right? Late, because they, they lost their number 85 in the Slay trade. So their first, it's their like only third round pick is, is 103. Um, so I think that would be the earliest they would draft a linebacker. And I, I still don't think that's likely. Yeah, I think fourth is likely. Um, they still got four, a bunch of fourth round picks. But Howie's rule is you're not allowed to do it in the first hundred picks. So 103, at least, you know, he's allowed to do it. So. Yeah, I still don't think he will. Um, speaking of Will, let's talk about Will Parks and the secondary. That's a great segue. That is. Listen to Dave I mean, patting stuff on that, the back. Of the that might go in the Hall of Fame of segues. Segway Hall of Fame. Uh, so how do you see a secondary shaking out? I know. It's not all figured out, but how does it shake out? Where's Will Parks fit? It's a great question um, because, you know, let's be honest. We don't know. It's kind of like talking about linebackers. We don't know what, what TJ Edwards is. I don't think we've seen him play enough. We don't know what Jalen Mills is at safety. You know, we, we have, we've never seen it. So, you know, obviously Rodney is a known quantity. Um, they have other corners who have some safety skills. You know, Avante's played there in emergencies. Um, but I think right now, if, I mean, they want Jalen Mills to work out. Um, and I, I think they'll start out with Mills and, and McLeod at safety. And, um, you know, and he's, uh, Will Parks is the new, you know, he's the third safety right now and a special teamer. Um, I think that's, that's how it lines up now. Um, obviously, that could change. And the interesting thing is, you know, Mills and Parks are both on one-year contracts, so maybe the thinking is whichever one kind of takes ownership of that second safety, um, you know, gets the extension, gets the three-year extension, and kind of play that by year and you let the other one go. And then Rodney's only on a two-year, so maybe, you know, maybe Parks end up being your safeties. I can't imagine that. Uh, that's just, you know, not good enough. But um, I, I I think they'll kind of start out with Jalen as, as you know, the other guy and and then see what, what him and Parks bring to the table. Uh, you know, that's pending drafting a guy, but these are both positions where they don't go around drafting. And they just don't do it. It's really the parallels are really, really interesting between the two players, the two positions, and how they approach them. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, actually, the Eagles in the last few years, because of Malcolm Jenkins and Rodney McLeod, they put more money into the safety position than they probably wanted to. Um, and it's kind of balanced out now because they have a high-priced cornerback. Um, I, I kind of agree with you. I think Will Parks is the third guy. I think Jalen Mills is going to be the strong safety. He's going to kind of fill in for Malcolm Jenkins um, with the understanding that he's not going to do as many different things as Malcolm did, just because Malcolm kind of had a, a unique versatility. But seeing Jalen Miller's contract, they, they paid him decent money. Um, 
they gave him two million guaranteed. Uh, it's a four million dollar contract. I, I, I think that they're really planning on him being the starting strong safety right now. Yeah, I, I think everything points to that. Certainly, that contract does. I'm just trying to th- figure out who the last safety they drafted in the first three rounds was. Was it Jaquan Jarrett? Uh, um, Nate Allen. Nate Allen was a second round pick, right? That was, be- yeah. but he was he was before he was the year before he was 2010. Oh, was he? Okay. Yeah, because yeah, he was with the Donovan pick that they got from the Redskins. Oh, that's right. Um, was, Eric Rowe was, was a corner, I guess, but he was kind of considered to maybe be a safety. Yeah, but that, that was a chip pick, so I throw him out anyway. But um, I mean, the last safety Howie drafted in the in the first three rounds was, and there's other, there's other safeties that they drafted, but you know, um, as far as first three rounds, which are your premium rounds, Jaquan Jarrett in the year before is Nate Allen. You know, and then before that you have to go back to gosh, I mean, before that you have to go back to, um, Michael Lewis. I mean, they just don't go around drafting safeties. And linebackers, the last linebacker they drafted in the first three rounds, well, it was Jordan Hicks, but again, that was a chip guy, um, you know, before that, Kendricks, 2012. So the, the, the parallels here are, are really kind of kind of fascinating. But I might make a good follow story, Dave. There you I, go. It's all yours. I'll let you have it. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> you can, yeah, that's very generous of you. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, they're, they're interesting moves. They're similar moves, and they're really – you know, they're, they're moves that don't have a downside. If, if, if they don't work out, uh, then, you know, you're, you're not on the hook for a ton of cash, a ton of, ton of dead money. Yep. Acme. Hey, listen to this. Acme is immediately hiring employees for their stores and distribution center to serve the increasing needs of communities during this uncharted time. If you or someone you know is looking for an exciting opportunity, Acme is currently hiring at every store location plus their distribution center. Go to acmemarkets.com forward slash careers for more information. That's acmemarkets.com forward slash careers. I know this will be surprising and shocking to everyone, but Nelson Aguilar did not re-sign with the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, we did our we did our comparisons. We we both picked guys who whether they were going to sign or not sign with the Eagles, uh, you know, their own free agents. And I think you had 0% for Nelly and I had 1%. I think pretty much we're pretty on, on target with, with Big V and, and uh, the guys who've left and the guys who've come back, Rodney and Hassan Ridgeway and Jalen. Uh, but yeah, I think Nelson was the Spalding guide of a, a guy who needs a new start, fresh, a fresh start, you know, new scenery and all that stuff, all those cliches. And what what are the Raiders what are the Raiders getting? Uh, Dave, before we did the pod, I watched the Super Bowl. I watched the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl just to kind of, you know, get a feel for Nelson's greatest moments. And and it's really incredible on on those first three plays after the Earth's fourth down catch, uh, which was an incredible play by Foles. He was about to get sacked. It's fourth down. And Ertz just kind of runs a uh, um, uh, slant in and gets the first down. The next three plays are all first downs to Nelson Aguilar. And that set up the the next Ertz 
catch, which is the touchdown that was reviewed and where he either caught it or didn't catch it. And I mean, the role he played in the in the fourth quarter, a game winning drive in a Super Bowl, not just the fourth quarter, but the last five minutes, it's astonishing. And, you know, as bad as he's been in every other game almost that he played, um, he was incredible in that game. He had 84 yards, nine catches. Um, he had 12 yards on an end around that got a first down. So he had almost 100 yards from scrimmage. And I don't care. I mean, I mean, obviously, you can't tell his story without getting into just how bad he was his rookie year. And really, for the most part, you know, the rest of his career, he had, he had some decent moments in, in 18. But um, it's it's one of the odder careers. And, uh, you know, Nick, Nick Foles is kind of similar in some ways, although he had more you know, he had 2013 where he had a Pro Bowl season. Nelly just had that one moment, and it was an incredible moment. But, man, when he was bad, he was as bad as anybody we've ever seen around here. Yeah, and I think the the thing with Nelly was when he was bad, it, it seemed to just spiral. Like, the, there are some guys who have a bad game, and they just bounce back from it like it never happened. He would have a bad game and it would turn into a bad month and it would turn into a bad few months and, and then ultimately a bad year. He just seemed like he would get stuck in these holes. It was like quicksand with him and he couldn't get out of it. Um, and it's a shame because he's he's talented. I, like he is a talented player. He's gifted athletically. Um, he's a good route runner. And I think he has all the tools to be a a really good receiver in this league. And I think that's another reason why it's just so frustrating because you see it in spurts and there's no reason he shouldn't be better, but the proof is kind of in the pudding. He just, his, his whole time here, you're right. He had, he had some peak moments, but for the most part, a really disappointing first round pick. Yeah. Uh, you break down the numbers and I mean, out of guys drafted in the first round in the last 30 years, wide receivers. I mean, when you add up all his numbers, there is, he's one of the worst first round production wise, first round picks there's ever been a wide receiver. So that's the big picture. Um, I'm not sure. He, I, I, yeah. He's talented. Um, he's got some tools. He does run great routes. That's the thing. He gets open. Um, I've never seen a player loses confidence as bad as he did last year. I mean, you you could have thrown thrown him a ball in the hallway at the Novacare complex from five feet away and he just felt like he was going to drop it. I mean, every time he had a chance to make a big play, I mean, he would it was it was it was hard to watch him. Uh, you know, and then he got hurt and Greg Ward comes in who's just off the practice squad. He's never played in the league and I'm not under any illusions that Greg Ward's a great player, um, but you just saw a guy functioning, you know, catching the ball, getting some yards, and and going back to the huddle in a in a and and listen, Greg Ward doesn't have half the talent that Nelson Aguilar has, uh, but you know, you just saw a guy. You just saw it was so glaring how different the level of confidence was. Greg Ward had waited for that moment for three years, and he was ready, and he just goes out there and had such a feel. He had the soft hands. He didn't have any drops, um, and. You know, he 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 made some plays down the stretch. He made some huge plays. Uh, you know, that one touchdown, an incredible catch. Um, but it, it, you know, in in Oakland, it could go either way. I mean, 
I wouldn't be stunned if he has a really good year. I'd be shocked if he has like a thousand yard season. I, I just don't know. I, I don't know if he's that good. Maybe he will. Um, but uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked either if he, you know, struggles, um, doesn't make plays, gets benched, and, and isn't there for the long haul. So it could go either way with him. I, what do you what do you see happening in in, in Oakland in Vegas for for Nelly? It's hard to figure out. I I think the key for him is to not be a focal point of the offense. I mean, uh, Vegas is they're going to be under so much screw. It's a you know a new city. It's the first time the NFL has been in Vegas. I mean, it's it's not exactly the small market. I mean, it's a small market, but it's not, you know, it's not like the kind of place you can go and play in anonymity without a lot of pressure. There's going to be a ton of pressure. Is there? Why would um, there be a lot of pressure? What happened to his voice, Tom? Can you take the highs and lows out? <laughs> no. Um, just because I think I think everybody in that on that team, because of where they're playing, is going to be under a lot of scrutiny. I just think it's going to be. That's I don't the, know if you know, they have the fan base there to. It's a new team. I don't, are I, they going I, to, I just think like, nationally. I think nationally they're going to have. Their, I don't that's think that's be, his problem though. I don't think nationally is his problem. I think his problem comes from the people at the stadium each week, and I, I think it wore on him in Philadelphia. The this is a, a passionate fan base, and I, I think that after a while, it just kind of ate him alive and and I, I actually don't think he's going to have that problem in Vegas just because it, it's a new team uh I, like the, I, I don't be excited about having that team but I don't think it's going to be like a rabid fan base so I I think that it's actually not a bad landing spot for him we'll see uh, and maybe you're right I you know one thing about Nelly before we you know we change topics I I, I just think he's always been a stand-up guy um some of those interviews with him, Dave, were difficult, you know, after those drops and, you know, fumbles, whatever, uh, after bad plays, he was always his locker. Not true of everybody on that team when they messed up. Um, you could tell how much it hurt him. You know, you could tell he's a, he's just a sensitive guy. And, you know, I mean, he even when the, the that video went viral about the, the guy catching the kids and saying, you know, that whole thing. The, the the fire fire whatever at during the fire I mean he handled that beautifully um, you know so stand up guy good guy I still don't know what he wanted me to talk what he wanted to talk to me about that one day he came up to me very serious and said Rube I got to talk to you man and it was a big group around his locker and when it was over I was like what's up what's up Nelly and say I got I got to run to meetings I'll talk to you after practice or whatever when I come back. He never came back. I didn't see him for a few more days. By the time I saw him, he's like, ah, it was no big deal. I'll never know. I'll, I will never know what he wanted to talk to me about. It, it, it just kind of haunts me to this day. <laughs> Can't sleep at night? No, that's because of other stuff. But that's another that's another problem. What do you think but, it was? Yeah. What do you think he wanted to talk to you about? Yeah, I, and I look back. I don't think I wrote anything negative at that point. I I, I don't – I mean, I'm – you know, certainly had to be honest when he was dropping passes. I don't know, honestly, man. Maybe he just wanted a recommendation for a good, you know, ice cream parlor in New Hope. I just, I no idea. That's He's it. an interesting guy. Uh, I remember it actually worked for him, but in the the training camp of 2017, which ended up being his best season, I remember he was 
keeping track of his drops in practice. Yeah. And that's just like it he had, had like I a guess, whiteboard in his locker, and he would like tally them up. At any drop you would have at practice, and to me that was just like such a classic Nelly thing because he's he's just a serial overthinker. He just yeah. he can't help himself. And to me, that was kind of his undoing a lot of the time was that he would just overthink everything and he would get inside his own head. And to me, that's kind of just a, a really good example of why I think he struggled a lot of times. I think that's the best description I've ever heard of Nelson Aguilar, a serial overthinker. It's it's so spot on. <laughs> just yeah, you, you couldn't you couldn't phrase it any better. All right. Well, let's move on. Then we'll we'll leave me on a high note there. And let's talk about Darius Slay because he's coming to Philadelphia, but he is not leaving Detroit quietly. Uh, some incendiary remarks to the Detroit Free Press about Matt Patricia and their relationship. Some pretty juicy stuff, but it does give you an insight into why things didn't end well and why he was available in a trade. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you, Dave, you, Dave wrote about it. It's on our site, NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com, all the details, all the juicy details. But, um, yeah, and I think, you know, he's not the first person to play for Matt Patricia that is, uh, you know, had issues with him. Uh, I think, I think one of Doug Peterson's strengths is his, um, his ability to understand how to communicate with players and, and you know he's got an open door, and he's he's not a BSer. He's a lot of things. He's not a BSer. Um, in a lot of ways, he's you know I think he learned a lot from Andy. Andy was a guy that never played favorites. He knew how to handle different kinds of players, players with different backgrounds, veterans, Hall of Famers compared to undrafted rookies. And I think Doug's really good at that. I think Doug's in a lot of ways probably even better than Andy at that. Uh, and. You know, he, he I think he he shoots guys straight and they appreciate it. And, you know, you haven't really uh, I mean, I haven't really had it. You've had guys complain about their role on the field. But I, I don't think a lot of guys have really said, you know, I haven't been treated fairly by Doug or Doug lied to me or, you know, Doug's offended me. And you see some of the stuff you hear, you know, Bill O'Brien, Matt Patricia, some of these guys, uh, you know. And, what do they all and, have in common? Yeah, well, there's that. There's Bill Belichick. But, yeah. like, I think people put up with Bill Belichick. Well, Bill Belichick plays tough guy role, but he has moments where he'll be, like, really kind of sweet to his players. Like, he'll he'll kind of berate them, but then he'll pull them in close. And I think that there's an art to that. And I, I think that a lot of his assistant coaches – this is kind of a, a running theory I have – that a lot of his assistant coaches see all the bravado and they see all, all the tough guy act but they don't see the the other side of him as much. And, and there are two sides of Bill Belichick. And honestly, if he's a jerk, everyone's going to put up with it because they're winning Super Bowls. And that's, unless I think that's the big thing, yeah. Yeah, unless you're – like Matt Patricia, what are you – like you're a nobody. I mean, what are you yeah. doing? Yeah, uh, no, I think without without that um, – what's the word, cachet? You know, I don't think uh, – I don't think you can get away with it. And I don't think Bill O'Brien or, but I, I do like, uh, you know, as a journalist, I like the fact that Darius Slay speaks his mind. <laughs> I think he's going to be fun copy while he's here. Uh, I don't see any problems with Doug Peterson because honestly, he's, he's not the kind of coach that engenders that in his player. So, uh, but it, it, it does give you a good glimpse of what, 
what you're getting in Darius Slay, a, a guy who's going to speak his mind, a guy who's passionate, a guy who's, uh, you know, easily disrespected and, um, you know, a guy who seems to be uh, really, really happy to be here. Yeah, I mean, and then that's the thing. He seems very happy to be an Eagle. I guess the one thing I'm not really worried about it, and I don't think the Eagles are, but I guess it's fair to ask, is the fact that things went so poorly in Detroit and uh, the, the one anonymous quote in that Detroit Free Press story mentioned that um, last year it was a big reason for his struggles that he called him a cancer in the locker room and said that he um, he like wasn't go- paying attention to meetings and that sort of thing. Does any of that worry you? The fact that maybe this guy can take over Mark and, and kind of tune out and, and become a distraction? Yeah, I, I think, you know, you, you know, it's always possible. Um, but I, I really, I think Doug has kind of created a culture where that stuff doesn't really happen. So uh, I wouldn't worry about it, but it's certainly something you kind of keep in, in the back of your mind that uh, it's possible. Uh, the last thing I wanted to touch on was Zach Ertz. Um, some news in the tight end world. Austin Hooper last week got a, a big contract, four years, $42 million. Makes him the highest paid tight end in the league when you're talking about long-term deals. That right now is the, the new bar for tight ends that Zach Ertz, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle are going to jump over. I mean, those three guys are going to reset the market. Um, when do you think this happens for Zach Ertz? And do you think this Hooper contract plays a role at all? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because if, I mean, Hooper is a good player, but, um, you know, he's his high, his high mark was last year. He had just under 800 yards. Um, you know, his career, he's averaged about under 600 yards in four years. So, um, I certainly don't put him in, you know, I think Kelsey, uh, Kittle and, and Ertz are just in a, in a class of their own right now. And, um, they're, they're, I mean, you know, they're in a, they're in another echelon. So I think it pays off for, for Ertz, the longer he waits. I think once that the market for those guys is set, whether it's, you know, 13 million or whatever it is, I think that's where you're going to see Zach Ertz sign. I, I, you know, I think it doesn't, it doesn't hurt him to wait. Um, you know, when you look at his body of work and certainly Kelsey, I think is going to, he, he might go down as, as the best ever. Uh, but Zach Ertz is right there. I mean, he is right there. And, and you talk about what he's done year after year. You talk about what he did in the Super Bowl. You talk about, uh, you know, his value in the community, which I guess we learned this, this week, isn't that important, but, uh, uh, the guy is just, I mean, he just, he doesn't drop passes. He's durable for the most part. Um, he, he makes big plays at big times. Um, there's been so many times where he's just carried this offense when, you know, they, they didn't have a great running game or they didn't have great wide receivers. It, I mean, he's been the target. He's been Carson Wentz's number one target, he's Nick Foles' number one target. So uh, I think that number, I think when you see a tight end like, um, you know, but again, he's, you know, uh, Austin Hooper's a good player, but I mean, Ertz, Kelsey and Kittle are in another world compared to him. Um, so I think that number is going to go way up and 
Um, I think one of those guys is going to set the market somewhere, you know, I don't know, 13, 14 million bucks a year. Yeah, I think it's true. The uh, So Ertz and Kelsey are up after the 21 season. Kittle's up after this year. So if you're Kelsey and Ertz, you're, you're trying to hold out and wait for Kittle no. to set the market and then you go from there. Because Kittle, to me, should – he deserves a bigger contract than either because he's younger, he's more well-rounded, and he's as good a receiver as both of them, I think. And a better blocker, yeah. yeah. Um, he's a great player. Um, but, uh, yeah, so your Ertz, there's no reason There's no reason to sign now. You wait and, you know, you see what, what the market establishes itself as and, uh, and you go from there. I don't blame him. And with the Eagles having Dallas Goddard, I, I know that this has become a popular topic in the city, but the idea of trading Zach Ertz, I think, has some validity. Yeah, I, I think, and it gives him a little bit of leverage. I don't think Goddard's as good as Ertz. He might never be. Uh, he would be know. as good as him, but he's, he's a top 10 tight end right now in the NFL. Uh, it, it gives the Eagles some leverage. Uh, if the market gets out of hand, uh, I mean, we've seen Tom Brady change teams. Certainly you could see, uh, I mean, that was as a free agent, but yeah, certainly you could see Zach Ertz uh, change teams either as a free agent or, or, or get traded. Um, so it's, it's certainly, it wouldn't shock me. Nothing, nothing in this business shocks me. Uh, I hope he stays. He's a good guy. Like having him around. He's a great player, but uh Hey, and they're also, you know, we're looking at a youth movement, and that's the other, that's the flip side of it is that whole group of guys that's, you know, 29, 30, 31, how, you know, what kind of contracts do the Eagles want to give them? I think when you talk youth movement, it's not just we're moving on from Sproles and 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 Malcolm and and that kind of guy, but it's, you know, do we want to give long-term deals to, you know, Kelsey, Brandon Brooks, Zach Ertz, that whole kind of nucleus that's 29 to 31 right now. Yeah, it's a fair point. And you're right, they, they do have some leverage because Dallas Goddard looks like he's a pretty good player. Do want to give some kudos to Zach and Julie Ertz. They donated 100 grand to Phil Abundance. Pretty cool on their part. Um, I do have to air a little grievance. Um, some people just have to enjoy a nice thing by nice people. Um, I, I I made the mistake of being on Twitter, and they're just always contrarians. No, there's um, not. <laughs> and uh, I, I let it get to me a little bit this morning. Because it's like, yeah, the reason they put out a press release and announce it, the reason we cover it, is because if, if they just give 100 grand, that's 100 grand. But if they give 100 grand and let people know they gave 100 grand, then it, it encourages other people to give money too. And then all of a sudden it, it kind of grows and, and there's more and more and more. And uh, yeah, that bothered me to see people kind of act like they were in it for the the good pub, which I don't think is the case. Um, but good good on them for, for making that donation. They, they've done a lot of good stuff the last couple of years with that uh, Earth's Family Foundation. Yeah, no question. I, I wasn't aware that I mean, anybody who's complaining about Zach Ertz donating $100,000 and Julie um, – I, I don't know. I mean, it's to to a great cause. It's it's a cause right in the community where we live. Uh, I, I, something's something is, is seriously wrong with anybody who's got a gripe with that. 
Yeah. And, and I let it get to me and I shouldn't because there were a lot of people who were, were really happy for them and I should have highlighted those people more. Um, but it's a cool thing and I'm glad they did it and I'm glad they're getting the recognition they deserve. Agreed. All right. You got anything else before we wrap this up? Well, just kind of hang in there, everybody. We're on it together and we got podcast after podcast for you guys. We're here for you. Uh, we appreciate your comments, your tweets. Uh, we'll keep talking to Eagles uh, as long as this goes on because that's what we do and uh, we really appreciate your support. Absolutely. If you like the podcast, please rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to Eagle Eye. We will catch you next time.